I think one of the strongest evidence for the existence of a God would be if he had given us a sensible calendar. <laughs> what day is today, by the way? Right? February 29th, leap year. And, and some of you know that this day only happens once every 400 years. The, a leap year on a century only happens once every 400 years. Our calendar, why couldn't God have made the rotations and the revolutions of the earth match up to nice even numbers? And the, and the moon going. That would have been an interesting evidence of design. But instead we see a lot of chaos. We see randomness. We see lack of design. We see things falling apart. Uh, we don't see that much design in the universe. And even the human being. The human eye is a very poorly designed eye compared to other, other species. The retina are backwards in our eye, but in other, like octopuses, the, the eye is better designed. Oh, I don't have much time here now for moral values. I never said that moral values don't exist. You're shooting a straw man. I think moral values do exist. I don't think they are absolute or objective. A moral value, an, ob, an objective moral value is an oxymoron. Objective moral values cannot exist. Why? Because a value is a function of a mind. To value is a verb. It's a functioning of a, of a mind. And the mind is itself a function. But to be objective means that something exists independently of a mind. So how can you have an objective subjective thing. Objective values cannot exist by definition. But most of us atheists find uh, the, uh, an objective basis for moral values, very real moral values. And, and basically, there's not a list of moral values. If there is, how many are there? Are there 117? 246? What? How many did God create when he created the universe? There's only one important moral principle that most of us non-believers hold to, and that is the avoidance of unnecessary harm. You don't need a list. You don't need a bunch of values and codes because it changes. There are times when your action will be different depending on the situation. Uh, I already pointed out that, that values must not exist to Christians because they can't agree among themselves what they are. Every Christian knows that ethics are situational. Every Christian knows that sometimes it's the right thing to do to tell a lie. You can't make an absolute moral statement that all lying is wrong. Sometimes the situation calls for it. And even the God of the Bible endorsed lying on occasions. Adolf Hitler, by the way, was a Christian. He was a member of the Catholic Church. He credited Jesus as the source of his inspiration for exterminating the Jews on many occasions. He was not an atheist. Um, but besides that, a lot of the things that uh, he endorsed, uh, slavery and uh, that, were endorsed by the Bible itself. Your type of morality is a might makes might, might makes right morality. God is the ultimate authority that tells us what we must do or else we're going to be punished. Uh, if you look at the God of the Bible, of course, we see an immensely immoral creature, a very bad role model to follow. I, one of the reasons I rejected Christianity is because I am nicer than God, and, and so are you. I disagree with your definition of evil. It's a self-serving definition. Evil is not the perversion of that which is good. Evil, basically, is just, the, it's just a word. There's no cosmic things out there. The uh, unnecessary harm in the world, whether it's moral or natural, is what uh, good people try to avoid and try to eliminate. It's just a concept. Um, and I think my time's up. Is that right? I guess it is. Okay. We're now going to have a cross-examination. Uh, they're just going to stay at the tables. Uh, for five minutes, uh, Fernandes will be cross-examining Barker, and then for five minutes, Barker will be cross-examining Fernandes. Um, Scott, I'll just be watching you for the time. Thanks. Okay, Dan. Uh, first, uh, 
Can you give me uh, any empirical evidence for explosions producing states containing more order and complexity? Well, if you, um, if you follow current cosmology, I guess the Big Bang would be one. Uh, but we're trying to argue about the Big Bang, so my question again is, can you give me any empirical evidence for explosions, not assumptions, uh, but some empirical evidence for explosions producing states containing more order and complexity? I mean, you're yeah, arguing, I can think of one. You're arguing in a circle if you're saying... I can think of one. We run out of milk, and I've got to get some milk, so I drive to the store. There's an explosion happening in that engine, and it got me some milk in my refrigerator. Well, there's an example, isn't it? It's a controlled explosion. Uh, you'd have to agree that it, an engine is designed by intelligence. Yeah, I think so. That's, so. Uh, so that was a pretty good theistic argument. Thank you. Um, okay, um, okay you, you said you don't believe in absolute universal moral laws, so you do not, so correct me if I'm wrong, you do not believe that rape and racism are absolutely universally wrong. What a horrible thing to say. Is that what you think atheists think? I believe in the existence of real moral values relative to human needs. The avoidance of unnecessary harm is a very strong moral principle better than theistic morality. I believe that rape is wrong because it causes unnecessary harm. I think that even Christians are divided on rape in some occasions. And in fact, the God of the Bible uh, obviously endorsed rape on many occasions, so he's a bad role model. For example, when he went out and told his, uh, his loving, holy uh, warriors to go out and kill every man, woman, and child of this tribe, but save the young virgins alive. Read it in Numbers 31. Save the young virgin girls alive as war booty for his soldiers and for his priests. I think that's very, very close to rape. So then you have uh, this avoidance of unnecessary harm, this harm principle, which basically functions as a moral absolute, but you don't have a moral lawgiver. It's not a moral absolute. No, it's, so, so it's I not, said it's relative to human need. It's not an absolute. Relative to, to, to human needs. Well, what, yeah. what human are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, Hitler? Or are we talking about somebody else? I mean, how do you, I mean, one of your debates, uh, you referred to uh, people like Timothy McVeigh and, and Hitler as crazies, and I would agree with you. But Christianity has a standard for what is sane and what is right. I don't see that standard in atheism. Oh, you don't? I don't see where you can get your unnecessary harm principle, where you can get this absolute. I mean, you're using it as an absolute, but it's just not there. It's, it's not based on anything. If man is mere molecules of motion, what value is there to human life? Because sentient beings in a natural environment naturally recoil from pain. It's part of our nature. We recoil from pain and harm. It's part of who we are. I assume that you're pretty much like me, that you recoil as well from pain and harm. Very, very much so. Therefore, relative to human needs, not absolutely in some big cosmic sense, but relative to us on this planet, in this environment, relative to our human needs and wants and desires, we can make a, a statement that is absolute relative to us, okay? That causing unnecessary harm is something to be avoided. And that's the essence of morality. There's nothing else there. You're a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Hitler and Stalin were not nice guys. How can you stand in judgment on them? I mean, you have some Attila the Hun humans who want to uh, basically enslave people, uh, kill people, kill people who disagree with them. You have no moral basis. You've removed the moral lawgiver. You ought to agree with Nietzsche that there are no absolutes. I and then Nietzsche just said, just 
uh, have uh, basically the overmen just create their own values, and then Hitler took the I can't believe around. I can't believe you're asking this question. Hitler was wrong because he caused unnecessary harm. That's the well, principle, right? Yeah, it's a principle consistent with Christianity, not but with atheism. Let, no, it isn't. The God of Christianity caused a lot of unnecessary harm and, and bloodthirsty violence against innocent people. He said, happy shall you be to dash the innocent children against the stones. But let me answer your question. You asked me a question. Fortunately for the human race, there are enough of us on this planet who love life and value our life to protect ourselves from the few sick, crazy ones like Hitler Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Fortunately, there are enough of us. We, we make laws. We have systems of self-defense, systems of justice. We have uh, education. And we do as much as we can as possible to minimize that amount of unnecessary harm in the world. It's not that hard to figure out. And you don't need some code above it. it would it never dawn on the human race that there's something wrong with killing without the Ten Commandments? Doesn't it strike you as obvious that if there is no perfection... There can be no imperfection. If you don't have the standard of goodness, there can be no violation or, or corruption of that. I mean, the, the, doesn't it just hit you between the eyes that you have, you have to borrow from the Christian worldview? Now, Barker will cross-examine Fernandes. Okay, I already asked you one of the questions. Give me an example of a statement which, if true, would make your hypothesis false. Uh, I think that if you could show, and you know, basically it's all based on my opening statement, but if you could basically show that the beginning of the universe, uh, that atheism explains that more adequately than theism does, if you could explain... But what? I mean, specifically, make a statement. Make a statement. Well, I, I am making a statement. G give me some good evidence to believe that no God exists. I mean, the Big Bang cosmology... Uh, Robert Jastro, who himself is an agnostic, admits that Big Bang cosmology, uh, he referred to in his book, God and the Astronomers, as uh, scientists climbing, scaling the highest mountains, and when they got to the top, they found a band of theologians waiting there for centuries for them. It showed that the universe had an absolute beginning, the beginning of space, matter, and time. So what you're saying then is that someday if scientists do answer that question, you will, dis you will reject your belief in a God. That's only right? one of the things. I've I, I listed, I listed several reasons. But I'm you looking will, at reality. Okay, at reality. but if scientists do close that gap and we say, aha, now we know, you will reject your belief in a God? Will you? Will you be honest enough to say that your, okay. your statement is falsifiable? You're basically at this point, I want to say something, and, and you went into your subjective experience, but you did not use it as evidence against Christianity, and, and I want to tip my hat to you. Um, at the same time, I am not using it. I'm, I'm saying this because he brought it up, okay? I am not using, Jesus loves me, this I know, you know, he's in my heart, and I know he's in my heart, and that type of thing, and, and all. I'm sure, I'm sure at one time you really thought you had a personal relationship with Jesus and all, and some Christians would say you did, some would say you didn't. I did, right? But whatever the, the case, uh, it'd be, how much evidence would it take for Phil Fernandez to reject the existence of his brother? Hey, I met the dude personally. I knew him. I walked with him. So it's not falsifiable and, to you, is what you're saying. There's well, no it, possible way to falsify. Basically, basically, how do you falsify? Uh, I, I think you could you could present good evidence that could maybe possibly you know refute me in a debate or whatever. But how can you prove to someone that another person doesn't exist when they've had a personal encounter and a personal relationship? So Jesus with talks that to you, and that's why you believe in him. He talks to you, and you have. Uh, no, I, I believe I believe in him before. Uh, I heard him talking to me. Oh, he, but he does talk to you. Uh, 
I, I believe that God communicates to us in His Word, through our circumstances, through prayer, and, and things of that sort. Well, what I would and never. By the way, Thomas Aquinas did too, and he okay. wasn't an idiot, so I don't think I should be pushed into that category. Well, I used to make the same claim, so I know what you're saying. And I know that inner religious experience is very real. It's very powerful. I used to believe that Jesus was communicating with me, answering prayers, and giving me this feeling of the Holy Spirit and direction in my life as I read the Bible. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I now know that it's false. Uh, but let me, ask, let me continue asking the question. I'm, I shouldn't be preaching here. I'm sorry. What if I were to say, what if I were to be so silly as to say to you that I know in my heart of hearts I have a personal experience that atheism is real, and I know there's no way you're going to talk me out of it. What would you, what would you say to my attitude? Oh, uh, I would say, and I don't mean this in, in uh, a negative way, but I would say you're based, no, no, basically a person who is closed-minded in the sense that they're not open to the other options. And I, I mean, I'm oh, oh. However, I'm, I'm closed-minded. You, you can't prove to me that my brother doesn't exist because I know him, personally walk with him. And it's the same uh, with the God of the Bible. However, again, I'm not using this as evidence for Christianity. You asked me this okay. question. So that's all, the only reason why I brought it up. I'm not telling you because Jesus walks with me, accept him. This guy is asking the, you know, questions, and I knew what street he was going down because he was walking down that street at one time. Uh, what is God made out of? I mean, if he's not a physical thing, what is he? Uh, basically, I, I think you can make uh, philosophers like J.P. Moreland uh, with the mind-body arguments. I think that J.P. Moreland has, has provided ample evidence for non-physical uh, entities that are real. Uh, for instance, a thought. But uh, a non-physical what? How much does the thought weigh? Can you bounce it? What color is it? Yeah, thought? you can. A thought is a function of a physical brain. Without well, the brain, no thoughts exist. Well, then we wouldn't be free. Because how, how can you hold me responsible for making a choice if it's, if it's but, just a physical reaction what is inside God, my brain? What's God made of? What is, what, is he made, what is he an entity of? What is he? God is a non-physical personal being. How can there okay? be a non-physical being? How, what is but it? You're the one who assumes there can't be. But what I is I argue it? that if the universe, if the space, matter, time, universe had a beginning, but because from nothing, nothing comes, then the cause of the universe, by definition, must be immaterial, non-temporal. Thank you very much. This was the funnest part, I think. I think this was the... I want to thank both Barker and Fernandes for being congenial and informative. I think both of them have provided a, a series of arguments from stretching from the last 2,000 years up to the last 20. I teach philosophy. I'm aware of many of the arguments for God's existence and many of the arguments against God's existence. I think they're doing an interesting job. I had said that we're going to have some time for audience questions. Uh, if you've got them formulated, please kind of line up at the mic. I'm going to lay some groundwork here. As you're, as you're walking up there, that's fine. Go ahead, just walk up. Let me do lay some groundwork. We've only got 20 to 30 minutes for this. I am really going to try to keep you on point. That is, if you start preaching one side or the other, we've got people here to take care of it. Okay, so I really want to come up with a question and let these fine gentlemen answer it. Simple question to, to both of you. I'd like both of you to answer, if you would, is why aren't we wasting our time here? In talking about whether or not God, not God exists, what, what difference... Bring up the, the, 
How, why isn't this just a waste of time? You want to go first or you want me to? Well, it, it asks, what's the point of dis the discussion? I, I think there's real, real good reasons for me being here. Because uh, if there's a pot of gold and I found it and I want to share it with my friends, there's all the reason in the world for me to be here and proclaim that yeah. off the rooftops. At the, same, at the same time, I really, to be honest with you, and Dan, you know, I love you. As soon as we met, I watched your videos, fell in love with you, great guy. But I really don't know why you're here. I mean, if God doesn't exist, why devote your life? I mean, why you don't devote your life to uh, refuting the Zeusites. So, you know. I feel... No, just, just one question. Um, I feel exactly the same way. I feel like I'm sharing a pot of gold. I guess I was once a preacher, always a preacher. I feel like atheism is so special, so life-affirming, so, so superior morally to the Christian system, so more respectful of human dignity and, and human intelligence that it's like a wonderful light was turned on in my life, much more than any born-again experience, much more than talking to Jesus, talking to God. Uh, I, I got to meet Steven Weinberg uh, in last November, and he's talked the same way, that the, the beauty of learning about how the universe really functions can't compare to mythology and superstition and talking snakes and a vindictive God. Those are old ideas. Join the human race. Come, let, let's, let's be brothers and breathe the same air of the same planet and try to work on this, solve the problems of this world, right? This is for Dr. Fernandez. Um, I wasn't really going to ask this, but I think... I didn't think it involved the scope of this debate, but I think that you opened uh, the, uh, the uh, bag by discussing the idea of gaps in the evolutionary ladder, and I assume that you meant uh, the fossil record. Um, how old do you think the Earth is? To uh, be honest with you, I, I don't really know. Uh, I... Uh, I think there's real good arguments for the universe being uh, between 15 to 18 uh, billion years old for the Big Bang cosmology. Um, at the same time, I think there's a lot of good... Now, I'm talking about an in-house debate among Christians, young Earth and old Earth. And um, uh, science, from a scientific standpoint, I think the evidence seems to favor an old Earth at this point. Um, but uh, there's some biblical data that I'm having a hard time reconciling that with. And so there's some good young earth uh, arguments, but uh, I am, uh, I probably, I think the evidence is stronger for an old universe. I'll just leave it at that. I have an option, though, and I have one minute option to respond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this idea of irreducible complexity that you talked about with Behe has been thoroughly refuted. Irreducible complexity is a bad idea. Uh, uh, philosophers now are talking more about redundant complexity and Behe and uh, Dembski and them, they have some great, great selling Christian books out there, but they are not cutting it with, with, uh, with philosophers or with scientists. I have a question for Mr. Barker. You stated um, sometime in the debate that the burden of proof is on the theist to make his or her case. That's right. And I want to ask you a question about that. Um, a lot of philosophers are arguing that, that belief in God is sort of like perceptual experience where we have, a, we have an experience and we really don't have to give a, a case for that. Uh, we have that experience and we simply believe it. And I read, read recently in an encyclopedia that only 4% of the world's population would uh, agree to atheism, would claim to be atheistic. 
So it seemed to me that the atheist is more in the camp of the flat earthers, and we need to make the case, uh, since more people seem to be theists, why would you say that the theist bears the burden of proof in this argument? Because if you're asking me to believe your belief, you, you can believe what you want, but if you're asking me to accept it, you have the burden of proof. Most atheists are simply people without a belief. We're not, when was the last time an atheist knocked on your front door trying to convince you to, you know what I mean? We're not, we're not out there saying, you've got to think like I do. We are being accosted all the time by people with a belief system, and it's your hypothesis. And it's not 4%, it's more like 20 to 25% of the world who do not believe in a God. There's publication that stated that only 4% of the world claims to be positively atheist. Yeah, exactly. But actually 20 to 25% of the world do not believe in a God at all. Uh, in the United States, it's 7 to 9%, which is 20 to 25 million. But so what? Uh, a majority of the world think that men are superior to women. Do we take a vote? Is, you know, do we take a vote to see what's true or not? Uh, do, do we see what the majority wants? There's a lot of things that the majority believes that get discarded after evidence and scientific proof goes them away. I, I think, uh, Dan, though, I think your answer is yes, we do take a vote when it comes to moral values. No, to I don't. Get, to get your harm principle, you just take and, and then you say anybody who disagrees with us is sick. And it, it, you should be grateful that uh, theists like myself, maybe there are some theists, yeah, there probably are some real rotten theists and all, but... At least theists like myself don't say, well, if you're an atheist, therefore you're sick and that type of thing because you disagree with, even, even at your 21%, you would still disagree with 79% of the people. They're primaries today. If I was running and I got 21% of the vote, I wouldn't be shouting that from the rooftops. You'd win, So, yep. so there, there is a, a certain degree where it seems that you're pulling your moral values uh, out of consensus and everybody, see everybody here, when he says killing innocent people is wrong, everybody says, yeah, yeah. He's right, he's right. Well, why? Why do we think like that? And why do we know when there's a crazy out there, he's a crazy? And that's because God has written his laws within our hearts. The moral uh, views that we just hold as human beings, okay, our knowledge of morality uh, comes from an absolute uh, moral being. But he says he just has a lack of belief. He doesn't have a positive belief. Did he sound like a guy with a lack of a system of thought and lack of belief? He's got his own worldview, it's called atheism. I've got my own worldview called theism, and I believe that theism is more reasonable than atheism is, and I gave several reasons why, and I think he has failed to refute those reasons. Sorry, because, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, Mr. Fernandez, uh, you started out your arguments about, uh, with the uh, principle of causality, and so you said that if there's a universe with man in it, then there must be a cause for that, and your cause is God. But if God, God exists, then there must be a cause, a cause or a creator of God. Now, what is that? A meta-God, and what is the nature of that God? And I think it's us, mankind. Philip Ingersoll said in the last century that the most noble, that, un, that an honest God is the most noble work of man. So, there you go. I, I appreciate what, you, what you're saying, but uh, unfortunately, sir, uh Maybe I should mail you a copy of my opening statement because I refuted exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I refuted the, the, the possibility of an actual infinite set existing outside of a mind. By the way, the only mind that that actual infinite set could exist inside of would be an infinite mind, i.e. God. That's a whole other point, but the fact of the matter is you cannot have an infinite regress. There has to be a first cause. So whatever caused the universe, if that had a cause, 
You can't go back forever. Eventually, you have to arrive at the uncaused cause of all else that exists. Right. That's where the, the, the reasoning goes, right down that line. I'm a mathematician. I kind of uh, found very sophomoric all your uh, mathematical arguments and stuff. Okay. Well, okay. One question and then one observation. Um, I presume that you reject pantheism uh, in favor of monotheism. Yeah, it's pr pretty obvious. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then maybe you can tell me why uh, a monotheism, well, a pantheism is the worship of many gods, and a monotheism, at least the Christian one, is no. a worship of one god with multiple personalities. How does one... No, it's, uh, some, some forms of pantheism some. do take in some polytheism, but it's polytheism is the worship of many gods. Pantheism is the belief that God is the universe, God is everything. And it's pretty tough to try to prove. If I try to prove to you that pantheism is true, it would be, I would be one mind trying to prove, persuade another mind that only one mind exists. So, I mean, it, it, it refutes itself right at the start. Uh, one quick observation. No, please, let me, and then I'll finish. I'll get out of here. Well, I need another question on math. Hi, my question is for um, Dan. Uh, Dan, you said that you believe you're nicer than God, but you said you do not believe in God. So if you don't believe in God, how can you be nicer than God if you don't believe? You contradict, you contradict him. You, well, say, you stated earlier well, that you said the atheists do not believe in God. Can I answer that question? Um, for the same reason that you believe you're nicer than the big bad wolf. The big bad wolf is a literary character. The God of the Bible is a literary invention, a fictional character, uh, and I'm nicer than that character. Yeah, I'd like to make a statement that... Uh, Hold on to your hearts. I don't want anybody to have a heart attack, but I do uh, agree with him on this point. I did, when he said that, I did not take it that he was positing the existence of a real God. He was basically saying, if your God exists, I'm nicer than him. Now, the fact of the matter is, I think he's wrong, but, uh, but he was saying, you know, it was a hypothetical and kind of an uh, if he exists, then this. So. That question is for Dan, and it, it refers to the uh, the first question that you were asked in cross-examination about the milk run and the combustion engine. And I would just, my question is, uh, do you think that what you stated before in your speech that you can't apply the rules uh, that are made for within the set to the set itself uh, answers that argument? Um, I don't know. Um, I was groping for an example. It might not have been a great example, but what, what, uh, uh, the, the thrust of his question was the, the hurricane blowing through a junkyard causing a Boeing 747, right? A single event. But no evolutionist, no biologist thinks that life evolved in one... You, you put a bunch of molecules in a bag and shake it up and out flies a butterfly. No one thinks that. That's a straw man. It's very small successive changes over very long periods of time uh, it would, it is what causes evolution to happen. So. Um, uh, within the natural universe, we do see that. We see it happening all the time. We see it even with breeding of animals. We see, we see those changes happening. So uh, this, this idea of a 747 is cute, but it's a, it's a straw man. No one argues that. You say this. That's not my argument. It's Hoyles and Le Gramassing, two of the leading scientists of Great Britain, 
they were revolutionists until they, their, their studies led them to... Under, and they're not creationists, by the way, or they're not Christians. Um, but they do believe that intelligent design is necessary for the bringing about a life. And they're not saying it happened in one event. But what they're saying is that all this long, even with given 15 to 18 billion years and all that time, you, the chances of life evolving from non-life by chance, no matter how much time you got, Hoyles and Wilkramasinger are saying, are about the same as the chance of uh, uh, a Boeing 747 being produced from a junkyard. So, so basically, you, you, you're just missing their point. But in all honesty, you know they are an extreme minority. Most biologists accept accumulative gradual evolution over time. We should move on here, though. Thanks for that. Um, you said you refer to God and you said he, why does he, doesn't that kind of suppose that God doesn't have the powers of a woman or that, you know, God is male and therefore can't do things that females well, can do? I mean, and, that's, and that's simplistic, and that, but... And that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I'm not only a theist, but I'm a Christian theist. And in the Bible, uh, it refers to God uh, in the masculine pronoun. Now, having said that, having said that, I think you can make a very strong case that God has the best qualities of females and the best qualities of males because there are times when it talks about God loving us like a mother hen loves her chicks, okay? Um, and so there are times when the illustrations that are giving a God's love is like a mother's love for her children and the way Jesus wept over Jerusalem and, and things of that sort. In fact, I, I would argue that in, you know... Sometimes you find, not always, but sometimes you find guys are not sensitive enough, and sometimes you find uh, some ladies that might be too sensitive. I think in Jesus you have the perfect balance. The sensitivity that is there, John 11:35, Jesus wept, but at the same time he knew when to stand up for something and, and when to refuse to compromise. Just a quick question for, Dr., I mean for uh, Mr. Barker. Um, doesn't your argument kind of fill the gaps? Um, you were stating you was filling the gaps with God. Don't you just fill it with atheism? Aren't you doing the exact same thing? And how come you don't kind of suppose that, like he says, um, like God is our Father and we are children, that maybe there are things we don't understand and we can't understand them. God understands them, but we don't. And you're kind of just filling the gaps with atheism. As atheism is just leaving the gaps open. Atheism is just saying we don't, we're not going to knee-jerk fill it with our favorite religion. Atheism just says leave the gaps leave the gaps open. Uh, uh, there's different kinds of atheists. Uh, in general, I'm a lowercase atheist who lacks a belief in a God, any kind of a God. But if you define God in a specific way, such as the God of the Bible, I am a capital A atheist. I know that that particular God does not exist because it cannot exist. I, I have a positive belief that that God doesn't exist. That doesn't mean that I can disprove all possible gods. So uh, every atheist is an agnostic when it comes to is an infinite number. But regarding God being male, the reason Phil thinks God is a father is because the writers of the Bible were sexist men. They put down women. They... He, Jesus only had male disciples. It was only the 144th virgins. Only 12 disciples sat at the Last Supper. Uh, God got a woman pregnant. So, Right? And Virgin Mary got pregnant and had a son, right? It's a very sexist, patriarchal book that you worship, that puts down women. It devalues women. Women are valued less. And you should be ashamed to hold that book under your arm.